Gimel. Chav Beis Yud Gimel. We saw last week that Yoshio Amelach, rightfully so, was extremely agitated when he was told about the Sefer Torah and they read it in front of him, especially that it was found and opened to the Tachacha. And he realized that we just finished the Sukkot night seder of Nichush and good omens and bad omens. This is worse than a bad omen. This he took, again, rightfully so, to his credit, as a direct message that there was a pending Einish for Klai Yisrael, and for him, the Pasuk was talking about the fact that Klai Yisrael and their king would go into Golos, when he understood that there's a message here, and he wasn't exactly sure, and the precise message, was it too late, which it really never is, and more importantly, what should they do about it, and how should they be misakin? But before we get to part two, he wants to verify part one. So go back again to Pasuk Yud Gimel, which we saw already. Perech Beis Pasuk Yud Gimel. Luchu Dirshu Es Hashem. He sends his cabinet. He does not go himself. And we're going to see that Chulton has a veiled criticism of that. He was smart enough and engaged enough in his Wuchnius to understand how important this message is, why not come yourself, why send the Shlia? That's an old debate with the Melech going to the Navi, Navi in this case, the other way around, uh, the trusting uh, servants that he had, most of them were Chashuv, maybe not all of them, another reason to go yourself and find out the message, yes? Anything to the, to the, the fact that the, the names of all the people involved seem to all be like small yeah, that's, that's what I just, it's exactly, I didn't know what you wanted to ask, but as you were raising your hand, that's exactly what I was bavarning, is that not everybody, Chagil Al-Kain was a big tzaddik, not everybody here was completely with the program, but he didn't understand that it's hard to read people internally, especially when you have cabinet members, especially when they're part of the royal palace, and not everybody was over-eager to make everything extremely from as we saw in previous administrations, when Menashe took over, he was a mere 12 years old. And had he hit the ground running at 12 years old to become a Russian Rusha in like 30 seconds? His father was Chizki Amela. We, we raised this when we discussed it. How did that happen? I attribute part of it to the fact that there were advisors there who weren't too happy with the results of Chizkiyo's uh, very from attitude and atmosphere and the fact that he... Well, we, we know he successfully brought the people up, but not everybody's so happy when you bring the people up. And now they saw a young, impressionable 12-year-old, and they figured they would take advantage, and unfortunately it worked. So over here, he's not that young, but he's new to this. Again, to his massive credit, he had a Halig and and he wanted to grow, and he's going to do wonders. But He's still new at it, and they're not overly eager to bring the message, deliver the message, as we saw last week. They weren't eager to show him the Sefer Torah. In the cabinet meeting, he reported two things. He said, here's a breakdown of the expenses for this week's Beis Amitish, uh revival and cleanup, and this is what we did, and this is what we accomplished. And by the way, we found the Sefer Torah. By the way, we found the Sefer Torah. That was item number two on the agenda. How did that get to number two? The answer is the person delivering probably wanted it to be number five or maybe not on the list. 
But that he couldn't do because Baruch Hashem was in charge and he said, deliver this to the king. And he probably assumed this is going to be number one, maybe even before the meeting, but it wasn't. So that shows you that people, uh, when they see that somebody around them wants to grow, they often have to make decisions. Uh, is this going to make me very from? And how early am I going to have to get to Shear and Dabani? And how late am I going to have to stay? And even though deep down they know this is what they're here for, but Yitzhahara also has their say. And then there's the covet issue of the position. Keep in mind that if the regime gets very focused on the Ruchnius, which is what they're supposed to be doing, specifically the Melech, they could lose their job. It's not an excuse to not do what you're supposed to do, but people often, due to their covet and their... Uh, Lack of bitachin, are always worried, what does it mean to me? And believe it or not, I know this is going to surprise you and I might get some pushback, but not everybody in a position of power always does everything l'shma. Sometimes there are agendas. Can you imagine such a thing? No, never heard of it. I told you you'd be shocked. Imagine somebody making a decision that might not be good for the country, even though it's very good for their pocketbook or their covet. So on... Some, so you don't have somebody working on themselves for many, many decades. You can't even hope that a decision is going to be made 50% lishma. And once in a while, you bump into somebody who actually does the right thing because it's good for the country, even though it's not good for themselves. Uh, it's unfortunately uh, politics as it gets worse and worse and more partisan and more ugly. Uh, you're going to have... Um, Absolutely no reason to believe anybody's making a decision that has anything to do with what they're elected for. But that's human nature. If you have somebody who's not working on themselves, very, very heavily learning Musa every day to remind us of what are they doing here, then they're going to be worried about their position first and everything else second. And that's what's going on over here. That's why they're not overly excited. Be that as a may, they're sent. Again, Pazigya Gimel, Luchu, Dishu, Hashem, Ba'adi, Ba'adam, Ba'adko, Yehuda, Al-Divri, Asef, Ha'animsa, Ha'zeh, he recognizes already there's a great anger in Shemayim, which there was. And that's why we are certainly under the scrutiny of the Midas Hadin in Shemayim, and I want to know as much as I can about this, and then we're going to try to figure out what to do. So, he sends them to... Cholda, we explained last week, where was Yemiyah Novi, either out of town getting there, so it's And if you look, there's a, there's a debate. Not coincidentally, I just uh, was learning this week with my son, who happens to be here, that's not why he's here, but Arye was up to Sugi and Perekashaleach about Yevo, uh, whether Yevo applies in Bayasheni. Did it apply in Bayasheni or not? It's actually in Tesis. And it all hinges on, interestingly enough, this Pasuk and the Gemara behind this Pasuk, and that is he went to get the Asas Shvatim. No doubt he brought some back. How many did he bring back? So, interestingly enough, uh, the argument is made that he brought back many people, enough to either put them at 51% total for Klai Yisrael's count, including Yehuda Minyam and Levi were there already, and he brought enough back to make it 51%, how does that help for Yovel and Bayashani? The answer is Bayashani, like Bayashvisham, for Yovel you need Rav Yashvela. This we mentioned already when we discussed the Gemara. Rav is either Rav of a simple count, 51% of Klaisol, Rav of each Shevet, 
So other Rishayim hold, and a third group of Rishayim, the Rabban, hold that it has to be Rav Vichavit al Admasam, which means where they are supposed to be living in each Shavit, which didn't necessarily happen over here. Yirmiya will bring them back, we don't know how many, and they sort of came and lived under the banner of Yoshio for sure. There's only one king, Baruch Hashem, one king, one people. That's nice. Unfortunately, it happened under circumstances where the Assessor had to go into Gullahs for it, but they came back, and I'd venture to say most of them lived closer to where the action was, Yushalayim and the villages around there. Uh, they weren't too excited about going back to their old homes. Some of them did, but it's Mashma Rabban. A lot of them didn't. So you didn't have, even if you had Roiv, you didn't have Roiv of them in their Mokum. And that will decide. This Roy Velaktorov will decide whether or not they had Yevol. You have to assume if they did that they enough came back, they lived out till Chorban Abayas, coming at the end of Malachim, went to Bavol for 70 years, and then all of them came back by Bayashani. Or enough came back eventually if they didn't come back right away, but Bayashani, the population of Israel, grew tremendously. You look uh, at the numbers from the Chashmanam and onwards, and certainly toward Chorban Bayashani, there were Baruch Hashem, a lot of Yidin there, millions. So it grew to a certain point. There was Roiv. However, you count the roiv, and therefore they had yevul. That's what Tesis claims, and Rashi seems to be chelik. And it's interesting. The psukim don't tell us how many Yirmiya brought back because the psukim doesn't even say beferish over here. They brought them back. It's more described over there, and he succeeded, no doubt, in convincing many people. Question is, how many? It's a hard sell. They already settled wherever they settled out there. They went into Gullus a while ago. This wasn't yesterday. Now he's telling them we have a new king, and he's a big tzaddik, and. Big things are happening. Why don't you come back? Why don't you join us? And many did. The question is, how many? That seems to be this Machalik Zushanim. So that's one sheet. The other sheet is Yemia was there and he was Michael. Uh, she was related to him and they Dafka sent to Hulda because the ladies Kaya Hatfila perhaps will mitigate the harshness of the Nevuah. Interestingly enough, we don't know if it did or if it didn't, but if it did mitigate it, you can imagine what it was beforehand. You can't change a Nevuah, it's not up to you. The Navi has to report what they're told to say, but women are more emotional here in a positive sense, and they could daven more. No doubt she did all that, but the Nehu is going to be very harsh, and that's not within her control. Who is a big tzaddik, a big baltzaka, uh, all have interesting things to say about him, and his wife was uh, an Aviyah. He wasn't. That's not a critique, just the facts. Ben Charchem, and uh, the description over here, by the way, besides his genealogy, is Shemer Habagodim. Shemer Habagodim? Which Bagodim? Well, Shemer Habagodim with Hey Hayyidiyah. So maybe there was a section in the base of Mikdush where they had special Bagodim. It was a job. It wasn't the most chosh of a job, but that was his job and that wasn't his claim to fame. Even the Pasuk mentions that. I'll tell you about his Maisim of Stock and Sitkus. Where is she sitting? So if you take a look at Rashi in your Dalid, El Chulda Amrabasenu. First Rashi gives you a recap of the two sheets that's mentioned in the Gemara, Fisha Isha, Chemes, Yesim, and Ish, meaning the emotion, the Rachamim, and the possible Tvila behind it to mitigate the disaster of this Simon. So 
The Mishnah, where was she sitting? So Rashi says, the base opana. Who? What's base opana? Base opana is a house. Yeah, it doesn't mean a place you learn modern Hebrew. That's where the word comes from. Uh, opana means a place where you learn. The alphas is something you learn out. So base opana, she was in a place where people went for guidance to learn, in this case, to receive a nevur. Rashi says, Shar yesh does that sound familiar? It's still there. Interesting. All the Nevias and the Nevi'im. She had a Shara named after her. My guess is, just like we will learn about Devera, even though Devera is at the beginning of Sheftim, we didn't get to Sheftim yet. I hope it meets Hashem after Malachim to go back to Sheftim. We started with Shmuel 18 years ago. And it talks about Devera. Devera and Chulda have very similar, unique, outstanding Midas and uh, Kayach and Avuah, the uniqueness that runs only through both these uh, profiles, if you'll use that word, is that uh, they were well-known Nevias, and that's not common, but they were also even more well-known, which is even less common, for the transmitting of the Masera that they did. Very unique. They coined to one sheet and taste the Shiloh. Exactly. She paskin Shilohs. Did she just teach? And she's just there for Chizuk. But she was involved with the Zikanim of the Sanhedrin in helping Klai Yisrael deal with day-to-day life. Not just when she joined up with Baruch, her husband, to fight a battle against Sisera. And Hulda is, according to this, Rashi playing a similar role in the Messiah of Klai Yisrael. Uh, women, Lachatchila, don't learn Teresh so they don't teach Teresh There are exceptions. There are some famous exceptions. The two most famous are Hulda. And Hulda uh, over here isn't as beferish by Deveret, says she was sitting under this tree. For Yichud purposes, she sat under a tree because instead of sitting in a room and having people come in, it was more Barabim. That's Beferish, but over here, with this Rashi, the basal pun over here is Kemat Beferish. She was not only giving the Vuas, she was teaching, which is rare, but not impossible if, uh, don't want to use the expression, Bamakam Shanish, but the borrowed expression over here. There were no doubt many to Chachamim. She had a certain brilliance and a certain flair for giving over that it was needed in that generation, besides her Sitkus and her Kayach and So, rare, but not impossible. And Yesh Paisrin, Rashi continues, the Mishnah Chutz Again, we're focusing on the Makum. Why is Shar Holder as opposed to Shar? Of anybody else, the answer is she wasn't necessarily indoors. She was in a mokom, like under the tree, where it was Rosh uh, Hashanah, so to speak, so there wouldn't be any sneers or any yichud issues. Do we know for sure that, that the shah was named after her and not that she was nicknamed after the shah? We don't. We don't, know, uh, we don't know for sure. I think the only thing we know, I'm just giving the svarah and why there would even be a mokom for her as opposed to any other tzaddik or tzaddik. The answer is... Like Tavera, she had to be in a Mokom which was well known where a lot of people were passing by. Yeah, what was that? It says her, yeah. 
Oh. And therefore? No, 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 no doubt the shower was there. What were you suggesting? No, that, like, they, that, like sometimes a person, a person becomes named after... Oh, you're asking, it was the shower called Hulda before? No, 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 it was called after her because this was her Mokom uh, uh, Yeshivas uh, uh, Basin, if you'll call it. And it was, no, it was, it was definitely, there aren't too many Hulda, by the way, speaking, not for now, speaking of names is an unusual name as well. The Gemara makes note of it. We normally name people... When people have animal names, it always needs explanation. Some animal names made it big into Klai Yisrael. Like, I'm not picking on my son because he's sitting here. So I'm like Aryeh, or you have Dove Bear, and you have, you have certain things. These are, not, these are non-kosher animals. What? Yeah, right. Well, Dvera already... Honey is kosher. Shaila's why, okay? But the, Honey is kosher, okay? So uh, the Gemara does speak about these, and then there's some comments about the other names also, so if you mind me, we'll get back to it. But the Ari and the Dove and the, uh, and the Tzvi, these are all very famous, accepted names with the Kechas used in the Pusik described how these Kechas are used for Avedis Hashem, what's Kanamer. You have, uh, you have that talk about the Midas of these uh, particular uh, as a matter of fact, when I came home last night from Meir, and when I came home from the Shia last night at 11.30 at night, uh, we had a major mishpacha with many children, L'Shem and Luciferis, uh, sitting in my backyard, frolicking. And Mama Shet, speaking of uh, Tzvi, so I don't know. Uh, so uh, I'll mention you three times in one Shia and punish you for coming, but uh, so he asked me, are they, are they here for a reason? And should we like say, maybe say Mochalach or something like that? Uh, we didn't because they're kind of like a it's Halladover who was like the whole the mother the father the kids uh, it must have been an off Shabbos I guess it was a lot of the Bachem and uh, they were they're having like a major uh, major get together there so but we take the meat it's a, it, that happens to be a kosher animal but we naming people after animals the Kiddush but we used to it because it's uh, very very much in use. So we don't, the Gemara actually says uh, something. Well, uh, you know, remind me, I'm going to have a, there's a, there's a separate shear for, the Gemara has a, something in the opposite direction, not, nothing as a, as a criticism. The question is, why would anybody uh, give these names in the first place, especially in Muncie, speaking of deer, uh, we're used to holders. I have a few of them. I don't know, they go by different names in the general family. I have a few of them in my backyard. I don't know how well they get along with the tzvi. Uh, no, isn't a, isn't a groundhog weasel? Isn't a, aren't they in the same, more or less the same family? Who knows? What? Where are the, uh, where are the zoologists here in this year when you need them? Uh, but uh, you, would, you would think it's, um, it's an animal. I can, I can dash from the schwach. It's an animal that works hard and, and digs deep and uh, does all sorts of things, but it's not the first thing that comes to mind. So Mitzvah Shem, we'll, uh, we'll get back to that. Chutz l'chaim, again. Yesh patron, b'mishnah chutz Again, something not in a room. She is double, something that is like adjunct to the city. And in the brackets, I don't know if you have it in your Rashi, he brings from other Mekemis and Maduris that she was actually Milamedes. Mishnah Mishnah. The Mishnah wasn't in print, but a reference to the aspect of giving over the Masera. And the Mishnah Me'eladvarm, the Enikal Yisrael, another Pshat Mishnah is Mishnah Teira, 
called Varm Nechpalim B'Tere Darshab Rabbah. She darshan, she specialized in Chumashirim on Devarim, things that are repeated. Everything in Devarim is darshanable, because everything is, it's a chazara of the rest of Chumash, but there's no Stam Chazara and their Chedushim. We darshan, so can, in Devarim to learn out what the Chedushim are. And she specialized as an Aviyah, somebody who was giving Musr, to Darshan, especially in Dvarim, the Tachacha, the Rapida Tachacha, and the Ramazim of all the things that people have to be Nizar on, and Rahman the Anshim of the people who are Avrim on the side and the Remez and the Ratzan Hashem of what Chumash Dvarim represents. So that's quite a Rashi. And the Musr and the Ashkafa and the Ramazim and the Einshim and the Nevuas. So she was filling quite a role. So now that we have uh, somewhat of a biography. Yeah, going on the ground, digging the Ramazim. Last part of Rashi, yes. 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 Pasik Tezvav. It's already like, ouch. We didn't even start the Nevoah yet. So she starts off, First I should point out, sometimes we've had both of these. Sometimes you go to a Navi, and you ask the Navi for a Dvar Hashem. It doesn't mean the Navi's going to have one. A Navi can't conjure up. I use that word literally. Just whenever they want, this is the Dvar Hashem. A Navi doesn't know what's going on next door unless the Navi is told. So sometimes you get the impression they go to a Navi, and the Navi says, wait a minute, and I'll see, and then they have a Navi. A Navi comes to them, and the people asking to give them the message. Often, the Navi was already given the night before, or two nights before, whenever it is, and it was packaged already, ready-made, and they were expecting the visit. Hashem gave the Nebuah ahead of time, so there's no delay that they get the message right away. This is the latter. They walked in, and she already says, Kayam Hashem, here's the message. So she was prepared, by Shemayim, obviously, to give this over ASAP. Tamar Lam, the diak they make, the second diak, Kayam HaShem, Imu Le'isha Sheshalach Eschem Eli. Just talking to the Bachram yesterday about the supreme concept of Kavar uh, which in our democracy we have completely lost any vestige of. We spend all day, we shouldn't be spending all day, shouldn't be spending a minute, but the general American public spends most of the day either making fun of the president, some of them defending the president, and any other elected official is open game. And as we mentioned earlier in this year, maybe rightfully so, sometimes, but for the president, the vice president, the people at the top, you like it, you don't like it, you like them, you don't like them, you agree, you disagree. It's a concept of covered amalchus. And it's not mamash amalchus, you have to the same level of covered, but the makar for covered amalchus are these parishes that Moshe is told more than once. Tell Pyro what you need to tell him, and I'm going to tell him what you need to tell him, put him in his place, and he's going to get unchim beyond his wildest nightmare, but you still got to treat him like a king. As you're speaking to him, speak respectfully, which is why even the final time when he told him, I'm giving you your last warning, and he told it to him in a very harsh way, as Moshe Rabbeinu was told to do, that now we're going to have Marcus Bacharis, and uh, people are going to be dying in the middle of the night, and you're going to want us to leave not quick enough for you, and all your avodim are going to come in the middle of the night begging we should leave Mitzrayim right away, which we're not going to do. And that was a nice way of saying, you are going to come in the middle of the night in your pajamas, hence the famous song. 
And it's going to be busyness for you. So why did he tell him that? Kavra Malchus. So he said, uh, the royal we, your Avadim are going to come, and there's going to be uh, confusion and screaming and yelling and total mayhem. And, but um, he was told to be nice. So we are wondering, it's more of a kasha. I don't have a great answer. Uh, Paris, a Russia, Musha, a mass murderer? The ancient uh, Hitler, Yamach Shemoy, and he's, Moshe Rabbeinu is told, be respectful. Tell him what you have to tell him, and he's going to be very uncomfortable, but not more than you have to. He deserves any respect. The answer is he doesn't deserve any respect. But the Malchus is gain, Malchus Shemayim, and that represents something. So with that backdrop, we just had a Pusik. She says, I have an Avua, Hashem, tell that man the following. Tell that man? That man is not only a Tzadik Yisraelim, Yeshio HaMelech, but he's Yeshio HaMelech. Who is tell that man? So some of Hashem say... It was a slight mistake. She was trying to... She knew she was using this Lashem. She used it to give him Musr. She didn't want to give him the title of the Melech, which would have been the Lachari, the proper way of saying it, because there was a Taina on him, despite his tremendous growth and innate Sitkus, he didn't come earlier, which is an interesting in life. We always tell everybody, better late than never, which is true. Better late than never. As long as you're alive... Can always be Masakin, as the Bali Musar point out. However, there's a Gemara in Yavamis that says, that asks the question, why are Gerim Mu'unim? Why do Gerim have a rough time often? So, well, we have non Gerim who have Nisanis in life. We have uh, people who are Jewish, Bali Chuva, you have. I mentioned Bali Chuva, it's a similar uh, profile. By nature, Gerim coming into Israel don't have. Family, Baal Shuvah, Baruch Hashem, has family, and they're Jewish, and often they become from, and often they understand, and they have a support system, not as much as perhaps uh, an FFB might. Uh, a Gare has nobody, he's a Gare, and often the parents and the rest of the family aren't talking to him, and that might be on a good day. Sometimes it's a little better than that, but there's no support to rely on. So naturally, it's hard. You don't have, for simple things in life that you take for granted, you don't have the natural support, and you don't have necessarily financial backing. You don't have a lot of things that we might take for granted. But the Gemara isn't just saying that, because that's a natural phenomenon, just based on the backdrop. And that's the serious Nefesh. They come, and they come alone, and there's nobody helping them. Think of Rus. And Shemayi Vavtali and everybody else who came and rose to great heights. The Gemara noticed that, no, it's actually a little worse, and they have bigger Nisanis. And one wants to know why, which is an interesting question for Gemara and Shas Bavli to be asking. But the Gemara asks it. And uh, the Gemara says that they should have come earlier. Here we have a Ger who took a very, very difficult, brave step in life and turned their life upside down and gave up their family and sometimes uh, lived in a matzav of a very hostile, uh, not pleasant uh, situation of comments and, uh, and overtures and like and they did what they did anyway, and they crossed that boundary, and they joined the different people. That, that's, that's difficult. And it remains difficult, and it's kavaldic. And they get tremendous schar. And the Gemara says, yeah, they're smart enough. The people who cross that threshold, who make it, are very smart and talented. Like somebody who's, who grew up and not from, and came from also. Very bright, very talented, and very brave. And again, even more so in many ways, and they're so smart, they're so brave, and they're so talented. So why didn't they do this earlier? 
Interesting question. So the answer is it's a process, and the Yitzhahara has what to say, and it's not an easy decision. But the Gemara comments that in certain situations they could have done it earlier, and therefore, since there's such tzaddikim, Hashem pays them back in this world for not making the decision earlier. That's a pretty frightening concept. But that's like, we don't need this at the end, but if they're in a high enough madrega, they can live with that and get more alam haba. It's not always a tiny. The Gemara mentions it as a possibility. Yes? I saw that the Grubb was down that they're in a higher level of the Israel. Yes. It says, Kadesh, 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 Malchus, Messiah. It's incredible. Rabbi Kiva came from Gerim. Kiva came from Sisra, by the way. We're going to be talking a lot about uh, Sisra and Yal and Lightsaber, and we just started this Ugi of Layobush. So it's going to be highlighted. We're going to chazer over what was going on before we get to Shechtim in the Nabishir. But it's, uh, it's a tall order, which the bigger the people are, the more is demanded of them for their own good. So here, getting back to the Pasuk, she had a taina, or she was expressing the taina in Shemayim, you're so great, you're so talented, you're so smart, and you're so innovative in what you're going to do, and it's all true, and he will accomplish great things. Uh, why didn't you call yesterday before they found the Sefer Torah? So the first thing she expresses, even though there's a little bit of a taina she said, it's so stark, but she's trying to send a message that as Melech, you're responsible to make changes and shake things up, which he will do, but... You're already king for a number of years. This should have happened earlier. Which is true. Just that he's still going to go on to... There's been great people and other people. If I don't know if they told over the message exactly as she said it, but I would imagine they were supposed to. Not just the Navua, but the introduction. So when they got back, they probably had to say, Your Highness, in all due respect... Usually when somebody says, in all due respect, you know they're about to insult you. Uh, but... <laughs> That's not over here. They're just saying over what Chulda Nevi'ah said. So I would imagine the message when they got back to the palace was, Now, does that mean that was the part of the Kayam HaShem? Then there can't be any time she said over word for word. Or Kayam HaShem, I was told by HaShem to say the following, to say to the Ish in the palace who sent you, and that was her word, to give that Musr. If they told it over, and I assume they should because that was why she said it. To tell him that you really better get moving because you're a number of years late and it's sad that you had to wake up to the Seva Terror, but we still say better late than ever. And with Yeshio HaMelech, due to his godless and his anivas, he's not going to get bent out of shape from this. Most people, if this was Achav, Achav did tshuva once, but it didn't carry through. So let's not use Achav, even though it didn't carry through. But um, pick your. Uh, Pick your Melech Rosh who never did any tshuva, he would say, who are you calling Ishazeh? I have her arrested and bring her here right now. And Baruch Hashem, that didn't happen. He took the Musr and he redoubled his efforts. He's going to accomplish so much in so short a time because of this Musr. So if you give Musr to the right people, it, it can help. Tezayin, Kayama Hashem. Actually, we're going to not get into the bad news. We're going to go to the Peleyates and... Continue, Mr. Shem, with Tezayin next week. You open up your Peleyayats. Yes, we will. So that's why I, I will, we will recover and, and contrast that. She uh, only said it once because she felt once was already harsh. Uh, is there a Peleyayat somewhere? Back of you, we'll hop on right now. Uh, we're going to go 
to page Kuf Pei Dalid, the second paragraph. We started Zivug, and well, the first part we talked did on Shabbos, but if it's Bashet, this fell on the time we're recording. So uh, the recap so far is that the Peleyes is in a very strong way pushing the agenda when the young man is ready to get married. It shouldn't be delayed if there's no heter. Then Ben Shmona means either 18 or 17 in a day. He did mention that. Rab Chaim mentions that. Knowing full well that's not the minute today. Assuming he's mature enough and he's not learning, there's no excuse right now of Talmud Torah. And the Gemara says, Rechayim B'Tzavaro, if he's already forced to make a panasa, he's not going to be able to learn as well. And we do delay it because of these considerations. But if the considerations are not Nogea and the parents are delaying for whatever reason they might have, real or imagined, that's important, uh, the son has to step up in a most becovetical way and make his own agenda. The daughter as well, the son has a direct chiv, the daughter has less of a chiv, and also has less of an issue in delaying, as you mentioned before, Kayama Behuri Avera, and he has to push the agenda if he knows what's uh, good for him. Most of the time, Baruch Hashem doesn't come up. The parents, when the time comes, are proactive and they're trying their best. Uh, the nafkamina would be, which he's alluding to and is going to talk about now in the paragraph we're going to see, is that if the parents are waiting around for this uh, shidduch that either doesn't exist or shouldn't be uh, on the burner because they're waiting for some level of a shidduch that they perceive is lefik faydam, lefi yichusam, or lefi their madrega in zeros added to the one in front of the nadan. The last one is usually the most common of a reason for delays. So then the child has a right, again, the proper way, and to his rabbeim and those who are giving him proper etza to push the agenda and step in. The normal full position is the parents are taking care of this, which is nice and which is good. That doesn't always work. Um, to hold up a shidduch for money, when I say hold up a shidduch, I don't mean they're already engaged. Hold up a shidduch means they're rejecting most of the resumes because there aren't enough zeros in front of it or something like that, is... Um, usually not the mahalach if the child is ready to get married. Uh, whether it's even the mahalach when they find it in the first resume is a question. The Ramah has some choice words for somebody who marries somebody only for money. If they happen to have money, we don't necessarily hold it against them. There's a difference between the two. And uh, where the person ends up uh, because of this uh, mix, the money is one of many things in the mix. It's often the thing people... Look at these people are human. And there's no pain against that, but money is one of many things. You got to first look at the, at the young lady herself or the young man, and uh, look at the midus and look at the family and look at the dynamics and there are a lot of other things you figure out, and then uh, that's part of many things in a package. And that's what he gets to in the next paragraph. The the person himself who wants to get married. And he wants to get married. He's not learning full time. And he has no excuse, but his excuse now, his perceived uh, excuse, is that how can he get married? He doesn't feel he can support her in style. He has a job, but he's doing water carrying now, and the water carrying union didn't raise the wages yet. And he doesn't know if that's going to uh, cut it. And because of that, he's having trouble finding people interested in him. He's also probably nervous about paying the bills, but if he's doing anything, even water carrying, which uh, all of our great 
great-grandparents are probably doing in Europe somewhere. Uh, you don't have to put that on the resume. There's nothing wrong with a nice hard days of work. In fact, you're carrying order, paid the bills. Manual labor is, the Gemara has many fine things to say about it. So it will pay the bills if she's not high maintenance and uh, you look for somebody who understands. This is what you do. You come home and you learn. You go to the shir, you go to Mincha Meirev and, and you kaveitim. So that's the first thing you look for is if what you want to do in life is compatible with your learning. You don't want to work more to spend more, then you have to have somebody with the program, but you got to get them interested. You have to get their attention. And here, this fellow, the Pelia, is describing me. Nobody even wants to look at his resume. Different kufas in life, where it's a, uh, I don't want to use buyer's market or seller's market, because that's a bad muscle, but it's a, everybody understands whether it's tipped in more, where they have to give a bigger nod to get the boys interested or the girls interested. It goes up and down in history. And over here, this guy can't get anybody's attention. He's a fine, fine young man, working hard. He still has to try. He'll marry somebody who is from a poor family, and she doesn't expect much, and he's going to pay the bills, we will have what to eat, and she'll be interested in marrying him. In the context of Europe, this was a, uh, a real scenario. Even if she's bringing not a penny in the nadan, which means that he is working hard, and he would like to start off with some padding, nothing wrong, in the nadan. And the only people interested in his particular case is a girl who has zero nadan. Very fine personality traits, a very firm young lady, happens to be nothing in the bank account. So the Pellier says, so don't wait around, even though it's always nice to start off with a nadan. The chasnas of yesteryear, if there was no official nadan, you're all thinking, what do you need a nadan? What's a nadan? What do you need a it's a miksuba. It makes reference to this. And you're, the married people here are probably wondering and scratching their head, what was the nadan? I didn't see it. Well, the good news is, when a young couple gets married, usually there's tens of thousands of dollars in chasna money. In Europe, that didn't exist. They got married, as bizarre as it sounds to us, Leil Shabbos. With all sorts of coolers for the guy who was fiddling over there, who was a guy that relied on Amir Akum to have some music. This is like, toss this bizarre. Like, why would somebody want to go out and marry Leil Shabbos? Who's coming? The answer is, everybody in the village was in walking distance, and nobody could afford anything. This is how the minute developed. And the only half-fancy suit that they had during the week, which had some food in it, was Leil Shabbos, a little piece of uh, flesh, some gefilte fish, some soup, and certain communities, soup with a lot of water, and basically they invited the whole town, very magnanimous of them, and they were told, bring your own dishes and food. This is not that long ago. It's, it's hard to imagine. And everybody came to the center of town. They had the chuppah right before Shkia. This is on Shabbos. Then had a very lively chaldadi uh, and Kabbalah Shabbos, and uh, the chuppah was done, and then they um, had uh, the rest of the chasna on Shabbos. And also such famous Chuvas Ramah, where the, the chuppah got to lay because they had a machlekes about the nadan, which probably wasn't too big in the first place. It was after Shkia already, of Rabbein Tam. Why would somebody do this? The answer is they had no money. So there were people coming in, they had no nadan, and they weren't getting tens of thousands of dollars at the chasna. They didn't even bring their wallets, which was easier for the people visiting. It was Shabbos. So that's why they spoke about a nadan. So the Pelias' first piece of advice is if there's nobody interested but you can get somebody and she has no nothing, get married. You have to get married. On that positive note, we will continue next week in Mitzvah